you have your Bible with you this morning, you can turn to Zechariah chapter 3. This is uh, the fourth vision uh, that the Lord, uh, Lord gave to Zechariah that evening. Uh, the first two visions uh, dealt with the restoration of his people uh, as uh, they were... The world was at peace in Babylon. Uh, they had no hopes uh, of uh, knowing the freedom that they had known before, having their own kingdom. The Lord is speaking uh, comfortable words of mercy to his people, uh, reminding them uh, that he is a God of mercy, that he will unfold his mercy to them. And here in Zechariah 3, the Lord uh, gives us a picture Christ's ministry and what he does for us. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments, and the angel said to those who are standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken away your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge over my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. And that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we study this vision that you gave to Zechariah, may we have the eyes to see that we, outside of Christ, stand in the same position as Joshua, apart from Christ and his perfect righteousness and his cleansing blood. We stand, we would stand in your presence, vowel. Wretched and unclean in your sight. And apart from the work of Christ, we would only have uh, the voice of accusation against us, uh, declaring all that we have done wrong and all the right things that we have left undone. But we thank you for Christ, who is our advocate. And I pray that if there are any who do not know the saving power of Christ this morning, that you would open their eyes to 
the reality of their sin and their need for a Savior. For this we pray in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. In this vision that the Lord is giving Zechariah, we first uh, have a picture of sinful man. Joshua here uh, stands as high priest. He stands as representative of the people. Uh, He stands not as any worse than any other in Israel, but he stands in their behalf as every high priest had done uh, in the temple before him, except he does not stand in the earthly temple because the earthly temple had not been constructed. He stands in this vision that has been given in Zechariah before the very presence of God. But he does not stand as he should. This vision, uh, we are confronted with the fact uh, that the Lord whose standard is absolute holiness, absolute purity, and Joshua's presence in the presence of the Lord falls far short of God's perfect standard. We are told in this vision, uh, in verse 3, that Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. Now, translators have softened the blow of the description here. Uh, uh, The Hebrew word uh, for filth uh, to describe the condition that Joshua is in as he stands before the holy, the thrice holy Lord, uh, the word to describe the condition of his garments is the word used to describe human excrement. Joshua is vile. Joshua is disgusting. And the filthy garments are a picture of the sin of him and the sin of his people. Joshua stands as a sinner before the Lord. Joshua stands not only as a sinner himself, but he stands uh, as a sinner representing sinners. With no hope of uh, cleaning himself up. It's been some time uh, since the people of the Lord uh, partook of the sacrifices that, that were a reminder of their sins, as the author of Hebrews says they were. You know, every year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, uh, which uh, Joshua, when the temple would be completed, would have the responsibility of doing, but every year on the Day of Atonement, uh, two uh, goats uh, two, uh, were, were set apart, one Uh, The priest would pray over it, uh, basically repenting of the sins of the people. That one would go out into the wilderness. Uh, That's where we get our term, a scapegoat. And the other would be prayed over, and its blood would be shed, and that blood would be taken into the Holy of Holies uh, uh, to be uh, sprinkled uh, to signify the cleansing uh, that would come from Christ. But here Joshua is. He has no hope for himself. He doesn't have a Holy of Holies to go into. He has no sacrifice to bring. He is a sinner condemned and unclean before the presence of of God. And in the presence of God, uh, not only does Joshua stand unclean, but Joshua stands with the accuser in his presence. 
Zechariah said, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, there's a tricky thing in biblical interpretation because the Hebrew word for angel can also mean messenger. And there are some instances in the Old Testament where the angel of the Lord is simply an angel, and there are other instances where the angel of the Lord is none other than the pre-incarnate Christ. And in this case, uh, this is the pre-incarnate Christ standing in the presence uh, of Yahweh with Joshua. But the angel of the Lord is not alone. Satan is standing at the right hand of Joshua to accuse him. Not only to accuse him, but to accuse the people of Israel. To bring before God every time the people of the Lord had failed. Every sin that had led to their captivity. Any, every act of unfaithfulness and uncleanness that they had committed in their 70 years of captivity. Every sin that they have committed against the Lord. And now that they're back in the promised land, rebuilding their homes, rebuilding the temple... Before Satan can get a word in in the text, he is silenced. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? What the Lord is saying here is uh, that his people Israel and Joshua himself are a display of his mercy. They were plucked from the fire. They were plucked from divine destruction. Although their sins warranted punishment, their sins warranted discipline. And if they received absolute justice from the Lord, they would have been consumed. But the Lord in His grace and mercy, as He had done time and time again, plucked them from the fires that would have consumed them. In Amos 4.11, the Lord speaks in the same way of his people. In 4.11 of Amos, he says, I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were as a brand plucked out of the burning. You did not return to me, declares the Lord. Or time and time again in the history of his people displayed his mercy towards them. Mercy that they did not earn. Mercy that they could not merit because they were sinners. Uh, the just punishment of their sins is what they deserved. But the Lord out of his infinite grace plucked them from the fire. That's what the Lord does to us. We are sinners. We have nothing to say in our behalf. Notice Joshua is silent before the Lord because Joshua has no defense in and of himself. Joshua has nothing to say against his accuser because anything the, the Satan, the accuser, would say to the Lord about Joshua could have been entirely true. Thanks be for the silencing of the accuser. We know that Satan is the accuser of believers. Thanks be he has fallen from heaven. We're going to be studying Revelation 12 tonight that speaks of the fall of Satan from heaven. No longer does the accuser stand in heaven just as he did in Job, accusing Job, saying that Job only served God for the material blessings that Job enjoyed. And Job ends up losing his 
home, his possessions, his children, his health, and yet he trusts in the Lord despite all that? When we see this, we need to understand what God is saying about our sinful condition apart from him. We live in a day and age where we are so tempted because of the culture around us to minimize the severity of sin. Uh, It's unpopular, even in some churches, to use the word sin. You know, the seeker sensitive movement that began in the 80s has said, you know, if you want to grow a thriving church that reaches out to the community, yeah, there are certain things that seekers don't want to hear about. They don't want to hear about sin. They don't want to hear about the blood. They don't want to hear about the cross. But the Lord is giving us a picture of uh, the results of sin so that we would understand the severity of sin. Here Joshua is standing in the holiest place of all, And he is vile and disgusting. He he is in such a way that if he were out in public like this, uh, the public uh, would ridicule, mock him, and uh, cast him away. Same is true today. The Lord wants us to see how disgusting sin is. You know, we live in a society that most sins uh, are broadcast as something enjoyable, as something you can choose but the disgusting reality of sin remains. And no matter how much you try to cover up sin and paint sin, it remains what it is, and its impact on your life remains what it is. You know, imagine if Joshua tried to clean himself up, tried to cover up uh, uh, the site, he'd just make a bigger mess. You know, Joshua could try to grab some of the incense from the altar to cover up the smell, but the smell would be there. Joshua, in and of himself, is hopeless. And we, too, apart from the work of Christ, stand hopeless. Uh, our sins have made a mess of our lives. And our sins uh, are a stench and a repulsion to the Lord. His eyes are too pure to look upon iniquity. And while Joshua might be standing there in a vision apart from Christ, if you die with your sins unforgiven, you will stand in a very much similar position to Joshua. You might think of all the good things that you have done, but the Lord uh, bears witness in his word that all our righteousness is but filthy rags before him. There is nothing in and of ourselves uh, that invites mercy. But God in his great mercy moves to take Joshua's sin away. A picture of salvation. Verse 4, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. When we place our faith in Christ, that is exactly what Christ does for us. Takes away the garment stained with sin. He clothes us with his perfect righteousness. You know, the theologians uh, have uh, the term of the imputation of Christ's righteousness. Uh, whereas we're no longer standing in our filthy garments thinking, you know, how great and how impressive we are. 
You know, imagine uh, somebody walking in uh, wearing an Armani suit smeared uh, with excrement, uh, thinking about, you know, this is a great Armani suit. No no matter how much that Armani suit costs them, the filth remains, and they're not going to impress anyone, uh, let alone God. But what Jesus does for us when we come to him, he takes away our sin. He takes away our iniquity. The psalmist says that he takes our sin away from us as far as the east is from the west. You know, it's very pointed that they use east and west, not north and south. Because if you continue to start going east, you're going to stay going east all the way around the world. Whereas uh, if you went north, eventually you're going to be going south because they do meet. North and south meet, east and west do not. The angel says, remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. Making the point clear that that filth and the vision was a representation of the people's sin and what the people could not do for themselves. They could not clean themselves up. They could not improve themselves. The Lord is saying, I am doing this for you. I am taking away your sin. I am taking away your iniquity and I am clothing you. And I will clothe you with pure vestments. I am going to give you the purity that you could not have on your own. And Zechariah, watching this vision, he's been in silence up until this point, and he is so excited with what the Lord is doing for his people that the Lord is taking away their sin. And Zechariah says, And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. And that turban, that hat that they would have on their head in their uh, uh, priestly duties was the crowning Peace, and on that turban would have been a plate that would have been read, uh, Righteousness unto the Lord. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed them with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. And after doing this great work of grace, And giving Zechariah a picture of the sins of his people because Zechariah would have been part of the problem because we're our worst enemy. Our sin is what separates us from God. Our sin is what is offensive to God. And after seeing the Lord take away the iniquity, the Lord does something even better. He gives them a promise of Christ's coming. What we have a picture of uh, the Lord is promising. He's actually going to definitively do for his people. Verse 6, And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge over my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Lord saying, I've taken away your sin. If you walk in faithfulness before me, you will minister in the temple that's being built. But he promises them something far greater. Because that temple system that they were rebuilding was never the answer to their problem. The author Hebrew says, says uh, that the sacrifices that they made in that temple were simply a reminder of their sins. Because the blood of bulls and goats and ox could not take away their sin. So every year they would need that reminder of their sin, that they needed the grace of God. Verse 8, Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, 
for they are men who are a son. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. Those familiar with uh, what led to their exile, those familiar with uh, Jeremiah, who was a prophet during uh, the time uh, that the people of God were going into exile, would have gone back to Jeremiah's prophecy and thinking about, well, who is this branch that is being sent? The Lord promises in Jeremiah 23 about the coming of the branch. Lord says in Jeremiah 23, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care over them, care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Verse 5, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Now here, just uh, around 70 years after the prophecy of Zechariah, the Lord is saying, I have not forgotten my promise that I'm going to send the branch. I have not forgotten my promise to David that he would not lack a, a king to sit on his throne. I am going to send the branch. I am going to save my people, in the fullness of time, I'm going to send this branch. And what he will do, he says, in that day, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. He would do that through the branch. I will bring my servant the branch, for behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. It was through the branch. It was through the seed of David, uh, who, according to Isaiah 53, would be the suffering servant who would uh, bear the burden for his people's iniquity that the Lord would take away their sin and not through uh, year after year reminder of, their, reminder of their sin. But once and for all, on one day, their sin would be dealt with. And our sin would be dealt with. Because on the cross, on that one day, on that Good Friday, our iniquity was taken away. Paul in his epistles uh, describes it as God uh, nailing up the record of our transgressions on the cross, taking away our sins so that we would know our iniquity no more. See, apart from uh, what Christ has done, all we have is the accuser. It reminds us where we have fallen short, where we have sinned against God. 
Uh, apart from Christ taking away our iniquity, we belong to him. Uh, the author of Hebrews uh, speaks of how we are held in lifelong slavery through fear of death uh, and how Jesus has destroyed the one who has had power over death. That is the devil, the accuser who seeks to destroy us. God has sent a branch. God has sent the seed of David. God has sent the son of David. The first time to take away the iniquity of his people. All those who would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And in his second coming, he will come and judge the earth in righteousness. And now is his people what he has done for Joshua, he does for us. First John, uh, John tells us uh, that he is writing his letter that, uh, so that they would not sin. But he says, if anyone does sin, we all sin. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned uh, more times than we can probably count this week, this month, or this year. John tells us, if anyone does sin, we don't have an accuser with the Father. We don't have Satan Bearing the words of condemnation that we deserve. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous who is the propitiation for our sins. And not only ours, but the whole world. But while Satan would love nothing more than to accuse us before God, Jesus' word, blood, speaks a better word. Speaks of the Father's love for sinners like you and I. Paul speaks to that love in Romans 8. Paul asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And what the, Satan was attempting to do in that heavenly courtroom was to separate Joshua from the love of his God, to bring trans, uh, accusation after accusation. But the Lord rebukes Satan. Because the truth is, there is nothing that can separate us. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall be able to separate us from the love of our God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we have an advocate with the Father. Revelation 12 tells us that uh, Satan, uh, who accused the brethren before the Lord day and night, has been cast down. He's at work in the world, but he no longer stands uh, like he did in Joshua's case or like Job's case uh, to accuse uh, God's people before the Lord. He is cast down. I think uh, sometimes that uh, he use, uh, accuses us. You know, sometimes uh, the enemy wants nothing more than for us to see our own unworthiness and to blind us with our unworthiness so that we don't see his grace and our mercy. It's not that we are worthy. It's not that we have a right to standing before God. 
It's that God is a God of love, a God of grace, and a God of mercy who through the work of Jesus Christ has taken our sin away. And sometimes we as believers can buy the accusations of Satan and see ourselves as we were before Christ and without Christ. We need to remember what the Lord has done for Joshua and taking away in his iniquity, taking away the filth of his sin. The Lord has done for us. If you're a believer in Christ, the Lord has taken away your sin. Sometimes we can think, you know, I'm not good enough to serve the Lord. I'm not worthy enough. I've done things uh, that I should not do. Therefore, I cannot serve God. Joshua could have said the very same thing. But the Lord says that that He has chosen him to be His priest. The Lord says He has taken away His sin. He has done that for you as well. We're going to come to a time of invitation. I tell you, if you're not a believer, no matter how well you think of yourself, you stand just as vile before the Lord as Joshua. You, You stand condemned as you are apart from Christ. Your sins of attitude and action, those things that you have done and those things that you have not done, your sins of commission and omission, uh, have separated you from a holy, loving, just God. And apart from Him taking away your sin and forgiving your sin, you will face condemnation. Jesus says in John chapter 3 that those who have not believed are already condemned. Because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And I ask you this morning, would you have the Lord take your sins away? Or are you happy with the filth? Because if you leave here unforgiven, you you leave clinging to filth. And I'll tell you, there is no lasting joy. There is no lasting peace. There is only the judgment of God. Now, had Joshua told the angel when he came to remove his garments, no, these are comfy, I like them, let me keep them, he would have had no place before the presence of the Lord. And I tell you, if you would cling to your sins more than you would cling to a Savior who has come to save you from your sins, you will have no place in heaven with the thrice holy God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for sending your Son to live a perfect life without sin, to die the debt that our sins deserve. We thank you that he has taken away our iniquity. He has taken away the filth of our sin that that is an offense to you so that we could have a relationship with you, that we would know you as Father. And I pray this morning, if there are any who do not know the salvation that is found in Christ, that they would see their true condition before you and come running to the Savior. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.